The journey from middle school to high school is a difficult one for many students. I'm not really sure why, and for the sake of not revealing my ignorance in regards to what happens in the classroom at the middle school level, I'm not going to make any assumptions. I was curious about what middle school students' expectations were of high school. I wanted to find out, so I spoke to three of our ninth graders. Oh, Oscar Rodriguez. And what, what, what middle school do you come from, Oscar? Um, Brando Middle School. Brando? I went to Brando. Crusader, 91, yo. Boom. Um, my name is Esther Flores, and I came from a foreign middle school. My name is Vladimir Galindo, and I come from Now Academy. What did they imagine high school was going to be like? The workload, the social aspect of it, the teachers? Um, they would say we, they had lots of homework and responsibilities. My cousins would always tell me to get involved in school and stuff because it would make it easier and smooth and help prepare me to, for college if I plan to go to college. And with those expectations, what was going through their mind? What were their fears and apprehensions? Or what were they excited about? Oh, I was confused. Uh, I, didn't be, I, I didn't know if I, I should feel scared or, or happy or... I, I was nervous in the beginning, but then I met new people and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it made it, it's making it easy so far. I'm not really used to being alone, so I just thought about what would happen at school if I didn't have any friends. I would just be roaming around the hallways alone, keeping my head down. Sometimes the nervousness of that first day can be made worse by the newness of the space. Actually, the first day I got here, I kind of got lost because it's been a long time since I haven't been here, so I kind of went through like HGL, Sabah. <laughs> I went around the whole campus and I got lost. So like, it was kind of weird for me to like return to a different school without knowing like the entrance or like the exits from that school. And then other times, the fears can be about the schoolwork, losing old routines or having to build new relationships. My expectation was more about meeting people and like kind of meeting people in the exact same way being alone because some people need their space and some people sometimes need a friend. Well, for me, um, I wasn't afraid of school or anything about being too hard or something, but I was thinking that they were going to give too much homework and stuff and that I wouldn't have time outside to play my sport, soccer and do things I like, like hanging out with my friends. Well, I was scared that I wouldn't know anything because it was the first time that I've been to a school in the U.S. since a long time. <laughs> so I thought that, like, we were going to be in different levels and that I would probably be, like, I would have the lowest grade out of everyone. But it's been almost three months since the school year began. And I get the sense, not only from talking to Esther, Oscar, and Vladimir, but from seeing the ninth graders in the halls, in that assemblies, that they're now in their new home, and that their expectations have either been validated or not by their experience here at Lhasa. But I still wondered if this was true. Um, for me, yes and no. Because I was expecting like high school to be like really hard, and like, have a lot of homework and stuff. But that's what's something I really like about this school, is that we focus more on, like during school and we do a lot of work during school and yeah we have homework sometimes and stuff but I feel like it's hard work but it's fun and I really like the way like 
last time I was like like and especially how everyone's connected, like the link program and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, I did make friends on the first week. Um, I was at the level of other kids in my classes. And, well, yeah, I did get along with everyone. I did make friends. And. So you didn't listen to the advice mm. about not making friends. You're like, I'm going to make friends. <laughs> and you made friends right away. Yeah, I made friends, like, on the third day. And that's, like, we made our squad. <laughs> Our expectations of people or places or things can sometimes guide our behavior. If we expect to have difficulty in something, we might try it harder or prepare better or give up before even trying. If we expect to be alone at a social event or at a new school, we might try our best to be friendlier, or if you're not into that, you bring a really good book in which to disappear. But there's no question that, regardless of what these young people expected of their high school experience, in the past three months, they have gone through transformation. Um, I feel like I've changed. Um, I don't really care about my appearance anymore, how I come to school. It just doesn't matter to me because I came to school to learn, kind of to hang out with my friends, but <laughs> well, that's why we come to school, to learn. Well, I learned more since I have been here because at middle school, I wasn't very, as I was, like, I wasn't very, let's say, mature. Because at middle school, I was like with my friends from like elementary, and we did crazy stuff, like real crazy stuff. But now it's not, it's not like I'm not with them no more. So I'm focusing on my work, and I'm not doing crazy stuff. I made that change because um, I noticed that like if I focus on them and I I focus at school better. I learn more than being like messing around and getting in trouble. And then you came here and it just it just changed. Yeah, it just changed because I wouldn't hang out with like the people I hanged out in middle school. Do you feel like if you were still hanging out, if those people had come to Lhasa too, do you think that you would have still continued down the same path? Oh, of course. Why? Because <laughs> they're my friends. They were like the people I've grown up with ever since. First, there are expectations. And then there's the experience, the wisdom gained. I used to think that wisdom was a gift meant for a smaller me, a tinier person who could have better worn that fitted piece of knowledge. But that's narrow-minded, right? Wisdom stretches with you, wraps around you comfortably. Wisdom is that shirt you sleep with, the one that always fits just right, the one that never gets rough or torn no matter how crazy a sleeper you are. If I could go back in time, I would tell myself that be prepared, um, study hard because you will need what you learned. Just use all that information and just soak it up in, just use it in high school. Oh, if I could go back in time and tell myself something, I would tell myself, be ready. That's all. Oh, be ready because like life isn't easy or school isn't easy. Both is still life. But like if you set yourself a goal and you really work hard and you're dedicated to accomplish it, that nothing can stop you. The only person that can stop you is yourself. I would tell myself to 
keep up the good work, keep on going, to not give up. I just need like two more graduations and I'm gonna go to start working. Would your eighth grade self listen to you if you were to come back and tell him this? Well, I'll make him listen. <laughs> <laughs> How would you do that? Well, I'll give him advice, like my big brother does to me, and like he knows that my feet, my past tense me would know that I'm giving him an advice, and he'll start to realize that an advice can can change a person. Welcome to the 408, a podcast produced by a group of ambitious AP students at the Los Angeles High School of the Arts. We pick a topic, a theme, and then we explore this theme through a couple of stories. In this episode, we're looking at expectations, particularly expectations people have of us or we have of ourselves, and how it doesn't matter whether or not we meet those expectations, at the end, they've shaped the people we've become. first segment, producer Chris Castro explores how stereotypes mask the unexpected and how being aware of the role that stereotypes play in our interactions with others can shape us into more open-minded individuals. Hey guys, it's Chris and I'll be with you guys during this part of our podcast. Much like last time, our portion is going to focus on a person of Latino descent, specifically a Guatemalan woman known as Luz. Latinos, along with every single racial group throughout the world, have long suffered from the effects of racial stereotyping. There's these kind of racial expectations associated with each race, and why such things exist, I really couldn't tell you, but they are unfortunately a part of our reality. Luce, a Latina woman coming into the States, was very aware that these stereotypes existed and prepared for some adversity. Now you may be thinking, our focus is going to be on how these preconceived Latino expectations affected Luce. You would be partly right, however, we also dive into how Luce's racial expectations were remodeled upon actually meeting some different people. And through this, we see that we determine what person we want to become, not our race, background, or anything really. With that said, let's get into it now, shall we? To start this off, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Mi nombre es Luz Lemus. Luz begins to tell us a little bit about herself. She's currently 39 years old. She tells us she came to the States when she was only 15 years old to reunite with her mother who had left Guatemala when she was about eight. She says she's been in the States for a pretty long time and she also tells us that she's even managed to acquire her U.S. citizenship. Before immigrating into the United States, what did you expect from the various races of people found here? Bueno. Luz begins to tell us how she never expected so many different people from so many different backgrounds to be found here. She really didn't expect much diversity among each of the racial groups. She expected them to be a certain way because of their background. She kind of operated under stereotypes. Like Latinos, she expected them to be a lot more accepting and supportive of her, but unfortunately, they really weren't. Aside from those mentioned Latinos, are there any other people that didn't meet some of your racial expectations? No sé por qué, pero pensé que la gente asiática y la gente... Lou starts to reveal some of the ideas she had of Asian and Caucasian people prior to actually meeting some. She felt like they would treat her with disrespect 
In reality, she never actually met people like this in Guatemala. She had heard lots of things regarding them, so she just kind of expected them to be true. She had nothing else to go on. She reveals that while saying this, she can see how ignorant it actually sounds. She really emphasizes this. But she's made tons of close friends with Asians at her work, and she's met with lots of Caucasian clients who treat her with nothing but the utmost respect and kindness. She says they're really good people. She tells us that these kinds of people demonstrate just how inaccurate her initial expectations were. She tells us that there is nothing that determines what a person will be like. She says she no longer expects certain things from certain people. You just have to find the right people to erase these kinds of expectations, she tells us. No hay nada que te diga cómo una persona va a ser. Yo ya no más espero ciertas cosas de ciertas personas. Solo tienes que encontrar a las personas correctas para borrar este tipo de expectativas. Other people aside, do you think people treated you in a specific way because of their racial expectations? Algunas personas como que me como que esperaban que hiciera lo que Lou starts telling us that a lot of people kind of expected her to do whatever they wanted her to do because she was Latina. She tells us that many Latinos take a lot of the jobs many people don't want. A lot of people say that. So because of this, she believes a lot of people expect Latinos to allow themselves to be walked over. She acknowledges that many Latinos come here to obtain better opportunities, but that isn't a reason for people trying to do whatever they want to Latinos. She declares that Latinos deserve to be treated in the proper way, just like every other person. She mentions how people have tried taking advantage of her because they expected her to be naive. And she tells us that a lot of Latinos are not ignorant or clueless at all. How have these expectations helped make you the person we're talking to today? Mucha gente nos ve como criminales. And she goes on to say that despite not being able to complete school here in the States, she doesn't consider herself ignorant or unaware. She tries to learn as much as what's possible to her. She also tells us that she would never allow herself to be labeled as lazy. She's a hard worker. She's served both as a mother and father to her two children. She also emphasizes how she's never committed a crime of any sort, nor has she been involved in such matters. She does what she can to avoid falling into these stereotypes. Why do you think such expectations or stereotypes even exist in the first place? She says perhaps they were made by certain people to create a sense of security. She says a lot of us don't like unexpected things. She has never really met anyone who does. She compares stereotypes to a safety blanket. They create kind of a safe place. Stereotypes mask the unexpectedness, she say. The truth of the matter, she says, is that nothing really dictates who we become. It is only us ourselves who are in charge of dictating that. Stereotypes are dangerous. They can bring about difficulty in a lot of ways. She says no one can never know what someone is truly capable of based off these ideas. It is because of this that she does what she can to not think in this manner. Unfortunately, she goes on many of us to think this way. This is why she tries to be an example against stereotypes, she declares. It's to try to knock some sense into people, to show that stereotypes aren't the way to judge people. 
And through this, she hopes that she's left you with something. Something that eliminates stereotypes from your mind altogether. Racial expectations, stereotypes really, why they come and be accepted by tons of people is beyond anyone. But through this, I hope that you've gained some new insight. You can't expect anything of anyone based off their race or background. We humans, we're really unique creatures and nothing really dictates what kind of person we end up as. Now maybe some of these preconceived ideas may bring you a sense of security or something, but in reality, expect many of your expectations to be wrong. Live your life absorbing things, not expecting them when it comes to different people. I believe all of us have been subject to these ideas. Loose admits she has. I admit I have. Stereotypes can be dangerous. Make yourselves aware if you're doing this. Address the issue. Keep an open mind and accept that you can't predict what a person will be like based off their race or anything. Stereotypes help shape Luce into a more open-minded individual. As weird as that sounds, she no longer expects things from certain people. Rather, she now prepares herself to learn from them. In this next segment, Consuelo Hernandez examines the beauty expectations placed on a teen model and what these expectations have done to this young student's idea of beauty. Philosopher Edmund Burke once stated, we must conclude that beauty is, for the greater part, some quality in bodies, acting mechanically upon the human mind by the intervention of the senses. My name is Consuelo Hernandez, and with this we begin this month's podcast on expectations. Today we focus on the self-perception of one's self and what they define as beautiful. On our show today, we have Yahidi Blas, a current junior who has to balance a life of modeling and education. It's a proven fact that in our world, it is society who tells us what kind of body image we should strive for. Women today are expected to be prettier than smarter. Now, without further ado, here's our guest today to give us some insight on her self-expectations. My name is Heidi. I'm 17 years old. I have modeled for two years now. Before you were a model, how did you see yourself? Um, I've never thought I'm pretty or anything. It's just modeling has just been like a new experience. Do you feel like you've gained any like physical or emotional qualities? Um, in modeling, they judge me a lot. So they call me Betty La Fea when they <laughs> see me without makeup. But when they see me with makeup and how I act, they're like, oh snap, you're a total different person. So I think that them judging me makes me judge myself. Again, with that same like subject, what kind of effect does modeling have on your behavior with other people? It's not really of the image. It's really what you have inside. Mm-hmm. And how how did, how were you before you started modeling? Did you ever at a point feel like like you were ugly? Did you ever like just look at yourself in the mirror and be like, is this really what I look like or anything? I do that like every day. Like I look at myself and it's like, damn, how how do people or like designers look at me this way? Like, why do they want me like in their cover or something like that? Why do you think that you're ugly. Like you said, you have designers that want you as their cover and all of that stuff. What is it that keeps you from believing what the designers believe themselves? Um, I see like really like high quality magazines and it's like their body is perfect. And then when I see myself, it's like 
oh, I'm missing this, or I'm gaining weight and stuff like that. So it's like the image that they put out there of a perfect model and the reality. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I see. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in general, how, how does it feel to be a model, basically? I like it. I like people looking at me and people looking up to me, but not in the way that people are like, oh, I want to have your body and stuff like that. As in, if you have a goal or a dream, that you could accomplish it, like, no matter what it takes. Put aside the fact that you're a model and everything, what would you consider to be your best quality? Just going with life. I don't expect life to be perfect, but yeah, you have to go on with life. It's not the material things that count. It's what you experience. What has modeling taught you about yourself? That it's good to be different. What behavior do you feel as though you're expected to carry out through your life? As in, like, you know, by your family and by friends, do you feel like like they have an expectation on you? In modeling, my mom is the one that tells me all of that. She's like, una señorita no se sienta así. Or, like, you have to learn how to properly talk to people. Mm -hmm. Or you have to do this. Or I took, I paid, like, $200 just for a coach could teach me how to sit. And, like, it's all those little things. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't know how to how to um, sit, designers won't like you. Or if you don't know how to do a handshake, they won't accept you. Like, you seem weak even with a handshake. And then when I'm off stage, they expect me to be a total different person. Like, on stage, I could be a diva and I could, like, mad dog you. But, yeah, off stage, I'm, like... An innocent girl that would never mad dog you or stuff like that. Mm, so it's things that you're forced to do on stage. Mm -hmm. How do you see yourself like that? Like, do you like being seen as that type of person? I don't like um, people that know me, like how I am in school, going to see me model. Because I know for a fact that I'm two different people. Like, I could be like a bitch on stage and like mad dog you or like, do certain things but yeah when I step off stage I'm like a total different person do you wish you weren't in that situation like sometimes you wish you weren't a model yeah um a couple months ago it was too much pressure on me like I had school and then I had modeling and I had practices and it and I just told my mom that I couldn't do it anymore because like a lot of people expect you to be a certain way and like me as a teenager all I want to do is like eat chips and like go to parties and like mm -hmm. hang out with my friends and that's things I can't do and it's really hard. I sometimes wish I had never gotten into the beauty industry because it's too much. I want people to know me as I am not as a fake image they put me. Tell me about your perception of yourself before you were a model and after you were a model. Before I was a model, um, I didn't care how I looked. I didn't wear makeup. I really didn't even do my hair. I wouldn't put thought in everything I wore or like anything. And like now it's like, it's not much that I, I do it. It's my parents. It's like, oh, you have to dress a certain way. Oh, you have to put makeup or else your face would look so ugly oh, you have to do this and that, and it's hard. I don't want this as a career. Like, I don't want it at all. So you don't want to pursue this? Mm -mm. It's way too complicated. I want to be a um, 
special ed teacher. Mm -hmm. So I would really want people to see me as the person I want to be and not the fake person they're making me be. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks to Jairi. You're welcome. In the third segment of our show, Esther Yang and her team take a look at how beauty standards rob people of their identity and how these standards can sometimes scar individuals and change them, at times for the worst and at times for the better. What up, listeners? I'm Esther Yang, your producer for this episode, and we will be interviewing our peer from LASA, Jocelyn Martinez, who will be talking to us about her personal journey through discovering her own image with the contrasting expectations that beauty standards have on women in our society today. Nowadays, social media, magazines, etc. serve as role models to young women manipulating the idea of what it means to be beautiful. Beauty standards rob us of our identity, who we are expected to be according to society, rather than who we really are. Sometimes, these expectations sell us short. By discussing these controversial topics with respect to self-betrayal, Five of our podcast members, Jackie Flores, Annabelle Cho, Elizabeth Rosa, and Annika Tu, will be interviewing our friend Jocelyn simultaneously. Peace out! Hey Jocelyn, thanks for coming in today. Um, let's start off with our first question. Yeah, sure. Do you think that social media, you know, commercials, the internet, TV shows, put a certain standard on what society thinks is considered beautiful? Yeah, I can say yes to that question because, like, when I was smaller, I used to see all these girls in these magazines looking so perfect, right? And I looked nothing like that. Mm -hmm. So, like, I guess I always tried my best to, like, emulate and be like them, look like them. And that's how I started, you know, doing all the girly stuff, like the makeup and all that stuff. It started off slow, like, with some gloss in the beginning, and then it just, like elevated to like even more makeup just because you know I was trying to reach that goal in in the magazine yeah um I think that's how all girls start off do you consider yourself beautiful uh, <laughs> oh yeah that's a hard question I mean I don't consider myself beautiful in that way that like physically but internally, I do, because I feel confident of who I am. So that, to me, is beauty. Good answer. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Have you ever tried to put yourself on an unhealthy diet or taken any drastic measures in order to fulfill certain expectations? Yeah, I have. It's, it's kind of sad to say that I have, because it was a really dark time for me. But it was most in middle school where um, I slowly started to eat less and less because all the eighth grade girls weren't chubby the way I was. They didn't look like me and I did not look like them at all. So I was I was just trying to eat less and less. And then my friends used to tell me that they used to see me more pale every day. And I was losing weight and I was happy about losing the weight. But I wasn't happy the way I felt. I find that it's sad that this can happen just because society said an image of a beauty really is like what we're expected to look like rather than how we actually look like. It's just dangerous for us if we try to copy the standards, right? Who do you hope to please by buying beauty products or changing your body to match beauty standards? 
I want to please, now I want to please myself. I want to look in the mirror and see beauty. But back then, I guess, when I started to do all the stuff about beauty, trying to, like, lose weight and stuff, I was trying to um, catch the attention of guys and people. I wanted compliments because I've never had that ever. So that's what I was trying to look for. But now it's all about walking inside a room and being able to talk to everybody, being confident, and, like, looking in the mirror and saying, I'm okay with what I look like. How much time and money have you spent in the process of getting your desired look? Like makeup. Can, can I say, I haven't really reached my desired look. But maybe, I don't know, monthly on makeup, it's $30, 40 sometimes. No way. It's wow. a lot of money for makeup. There's a few things, you know, I just want to exercise more, you know, feel more healthy. Yeah, I get you. Well, here's Annika to ask you a few more questions before we wrap up our interview for today. What is considered beautiful to you? I feel like I've said this so many times, but it's within. Like, that's how you feel beauty, but to the world, to society, beauty is having that thin body and having a beautiful face, a perfect nose, perfect eyebrows, having long eyelashes, Sometimes it's long hair, sometimes it's short, depending on your, your face. But um, to, to society, that's what beauty is. It's not about how you feel inside. It's not about who you are as a person. It's about how you look like outside. I feel like a lot of people are like that, too. Like, if you feel confident, then it'll reflect on the way you act and your attitude on things. When did you know that your physical appearance would affect the way you see yourself and the way others perceive you? When I started at a very young age, honestly, like around maybe third grade, second grade, because I was constantly bullied for being the chubby girl, the girl who didn't even look like a girl. <laughs> um, so then when it, when I started getting bullied so much, it was like, wow, they actually do care about the way I look like. And then I didn't care. I just wanted to be myself. I wanted to play sports and be myself, but that wasn't enough. So I guess I just started to be how they wanted me to look like. So I just started putting, I don't know, I just started dressing more girly, like pink shirts and all that stuff. You know how like a basic <laughs> girl would look like in elementary? But it scarred me. I had to, I knew that I had to like, look a certain way to like be accepted and it was sad your story is definitely something that all women can relate to one way or another i hope that your in interview can inspire young women to become more than the expectation more than just a superficial image of beauty oh yeah so um thanks for letting us interview you i hope that one day young girls can look through a magazine and see more um influential women in their realistic image you know, like, without the bullshit, Photoshop, or excessive makeup. Oh yeah, hopefully one day a woman can be somewhat like you, you know? Like, although the women on the magazines portray an image that society think it's beautiful, we don't need to live up to those expectations. And with that, we just hope that this act encourages women to develop a new understanding of beauty. 
showing that beauty is made up of flaws, scars, and that the imperfect is what makes a person beautiful. Thanks for listening. In this final segment, Georgie Flores tackles gender identity and the societal expectations that are attached to being a boy or a girl. Throughout her years here at LASA, Kelly has found it difficult to choose whether or not she should follow society's expectations on being a female. She's had to face the reactions of the people that surround her, as well as the questions that people may have based upon her appearance. How has society's expectations affected your gender? Well, um, basically growing up, my mom never let me cut my hair. So I had like hair really long, like up to like my lower back, because I mean, I was a girl, I guess. I was supposed to have the long hair and wear skirts and dresses and always have bows in my hairs. And then, like, when I started growing up, I started realizing that that was not me. But honestly, like, either way, whether you have short hair or long hair, people are still going to be judging you. So how have these expectations changed how, the way you think about it? Well, I mean, my gender role hasn't really changed. I can go out to be an engineer. I can go out to be a fashion designer. I mean, there's just so many possibilities I can do. What have been some stereotypes that you've heard? Well, I mean, when I had long hair, I was just, you know, translucent. Like, nobody really paid, paid attention to me. But then freshman year, when I cut all of my hair off, uh, people started questioning, like, my sexuality. And it was like whoa, calm down, like, I'm trying to figure these things out. Why are you, like, judging me already when I don't, I myself don't know the answer? And, well, it's always been like, oh, she has short hair, she must be, like, gay or she must be curious, you know? And, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's still people and people still, like, are trying to figure themselves out while people are still trying to, like, answer that question for themselves. And I think that, like, really takes away the whole experience and journey that a person has to do with themselves to, like, try to figure out who they are. Because, I mean, whether they're gay or whether they're straight or bisexual, because bisexuality is actually, you know, a thing. It's not, you're, you're, it's not like you're, you can't decide. It's like you could like both genders. It doesn't have to be like, you have to like one or, oh, if you're bisexual, it just means you're like, you don't know what you want, but you do. It's like, you know, you're attracted to both. It doesn't mean like, hey, uh, I like a girl. Like, oh, she's gay. But some, like, I could like a guy. And then it's like, oh, what? You're straight now? It's like, no, you can, you can be bisexual and you can be. So when you cut off your hair, um, what were your expectations, like, on the reactions that people would have? Well, I mean, I knew there was, there were going to be, like, open-minded people and close-minded people. And by open-minded, I mean, like, my friends, like, they, I know they wouldn't have cared whether I kept my long hair or not, and especially because, like, people that I can trust. But then I knew there was going to be close-minded people that thought because I cut my hair off, I was, like, you know, <laughs> gay or something. But honestly, I was like, man, like, it, like, people are going to judge me no matter what, so it might as well be judged on something that I'm looking comfortable. And, like, by looking comfortable, I mean, like, like how I look. <laughs> But, yeah, like, I don't know, like, I didn't expect them to be, like, you know, like, super rude, but I did expect, like, you know, people talking behind my back, like, saying, like, oh, my God, so is she gay? Or, like, oh, my God, is she not? Or, like, what the hell, you know? So it was, like, weird, like, atmosphere to be in because people were constantly, like, wondering and asking me, 
And they were trying to, and it was funny because when they would try to ask me, they would try to be polite about it, like, oh, yeah, so, like, who do you like? And then and then I started pushing away from, oh, I like him or I like her. I would say, oh, I like them. So, and using <laughs> nouns that would not specify a gender because it's, like, I would, I would, I didn't want to give them the satisfaction of, like, <laughs> you know, knowing, like, who I like and if it's a boy or a girl, except my friends, but... Apart from that, I, I try to stay away from like nouns and like names. Sometimes I feel like they like want to know if they're right. Like, oh, I knew she was gay. Or, like, I knew she wasn't gay. And it was like, nah. Like, <laughs> if I'm trying to figure out myself, who who I am, it's like I shouldn't be trying to like have other people figure it out for me. Then like know before I know. <laughs> what Kelly has shared with you guys is not something that she shares with just anybody. Only with the friends closest to her. Over the years, Kelly has learned to work her way around the possible questions people may have because of her appearance. So just because society sets norms for people doesn't mean you should all follow them. And sometimes it's better not to follow what society's norms say. Were you ever afraid to do something that was meant for the opposite gender? I guess people will see that more as like what a guy would do or what that's a guy hairstyle. But it's like, no, there's, there's women who can like wear that hairstyle even better than guys. Like, I mean, there's celebrities that have cut their hair off and look way more decent. I, I wasn't scared. I was, like, more excited than scared because, like, personally, I don't like long hair, and especially I feel really awkward in it. So when people are, uh, like, constantly asking me if I'm going to grow out my hair this time, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, you know, like, oh, I should grow out my long hair just to, like, you know, look like a girl again. But then, like, I look at myself in the mirror and I have all the, you know, girl stuff. You know, I have breasts. I have... How can people, like, look at me as a guy if I have, like, girl appearances? Like, I I personally don't think I look like a guy. <laughs> Maybe from my back because of my hair. But if you look at me from front or side, it's like you'll see that I'm not trying to be a guy. Being different and being yourself is way better than being what society wants you to be. Thank you for listening. Our program today was produced by Chris Castro, Consuelo Hernandez, Esther Yang, and George Elise Flores. Our production managers and marketing directors are Kiyomi McGee, Annika Chiu, Elizabeth Rosa, Carrie Molina, Jocelyn Martinez, and Kelly Hernandez. Our editors and creative leads are Annabelle Cho, Whitney Gonzalez, Jenny Hyung, and Guadalupe Espinosa. All the research was carefully put together by Jacqueline Flores, Kimberly Romero, Alex Fuentes, Harry Ann, Mariana Morales, Shirley Lopez, and Breck Hippolito. I'm executive producer Andres Reconco. Tune in next month for another episode of The 408.